Hello and welcome to episode number 75 of the Hey for Digital podcast, a show for creators, makers, and doers. My goal is to help you make to the max. My name is Ryan, and in this episode, I'm going to give you the ultimate gear list so that you can start your own live stream capable video podcast studio. Let's talk about it. Okay, somebody's going to have to tell me if that intro came through because for whatever reason, I did not hear it. So I'm going to play it again. Nope. Hmm. I don't know if it's an OBS thing or not. So if you're listening, let me know if you heard the intro. And also, um, let me know if you hear this. If you're new to the show, by the way, uh, I am Ryan, and uh, feel free to hit that subscribe button, by the way, wherever you happen to be watching or listening, and follow me on social media at Ryan Hiffey on Instagram and Twitter, and feel free to reach out after the show, ask me a question, or just say hello. Um, uh, and uh, if you are new to the show, this is just my, this is like my creative playground. This is where I come to talk about all the different projects and things that I'm working on, and uh, spread some knowledge, and help you make it to the max in your own creative endeavors. So uh, welcome to the show. Hope you enjoy it. <sighs> and happy Mother's Day, by the way, to all the amazing moms out there. Um, yeah, you guys are you guys are awesome. Uh, so happy Mother's Day. What an interesting weekend, by the way. Uh, we had <laughs> Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live. I did not watch uh, the full uh, the full show, but I did see the monologue, and I thought Elon was very awkward. But like it was expected. And so it kind of made it okay. Like you knew that he was he was not gonna come out and be able to deliver jokes like a like a, a comedian typically would. Um, so he was a little kind of awkward and you could tell that he was nervous and stuff like that. But the jokes actually weren't bad and they made it work. He did uh he did manage to get Dogecoin to drop down quite a bit. Uh, but I'm still up a little bit on Doge. I don't have much in it, but I'm I'm still up, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on holding for a little while. Uh, and, uh, can't forget about the fact that we had a giant Chinese rocket, uh, <laughs> coming out of the sky from outer space and luckily landing in the Indian ocean and not on any, uh, on any people or anything like that. So that's, that's obviously a plus. I'm going to do a quick test here, by the way, for this audio, cause I just want to make sure that something else is enough. Let's see. Mm. Nope, I don't hear anything there either. That's not good. So I can just, all I can do is hope that everything's coming through, I guess. Oh, you know why? You know why I couldn't hear anything? It's because I'm an idiot. <laughs> Let me try this again. There it is. Okay, so what, what had happened, and actually, hold on. All right, so, okay. Pardon the uh, pardon the constant uh, test there, but long story short, I had I had the wrong um, lever the uh, pushed up. I had the iPhone the connection or the iPhone channel potted up on the Rodecaster Pro and not the computer. So the levels were coming through, but I wasn't hearing them because I didn't have that that audio channel potted up. Hey man, this is all live. We make mistakes and that's okay. Anyway. Um, 
So I've got a couple things I wanted to talk about before we get into the main topic of the day, which again is um, basically how to, or it's, it's just a gear list for how you can do what I'm doing right now. If you, if this is something you'd like to do, some kind of, it doesn't have to be a podcast necessarily, but if you would are, are interested in doing some kind of live streamed show on YouTube with video and audio and, and lighting and all of that, um, I'm going to give you a gear list that's going to tell you what you need to, uh, to go out and buy. So we're going to talk about that, but I do have a couple things I want to mention. First of all, a little FPV update. Uh, we'll keep this one quick because, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many FPV fans there are out there, but uh, I've talked about this drone before. This is my latest drone. This is the Protec 25. They make two versions of this. There's this one, and then there's a Protec 35 as well. The Protec 35 is a little bit bigger, um, but they're both kind of similar in style, uh, just sort of, you know, these small cine whoops. Um, and I wanted to get something that was small enough to where if I wanted to fly it indoors, I could. I have flown this indoors. It's a little bit terrifying because it's still got a lot of a, a lot of power, even even with this this small form factor here. But I'm learning a couple things about this. Uh, I've taken on a few flights so far. Uh, somebody says amazing setup. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, so I have flown this a couple times um, outside. I just recently put this GoPro on here because so. This, this obviously cannot carry a ton of weight. It's so small. These motors are pretty powerful, but you can't, um, you can't put a lot of weight on this. Otherwise you're just going to put a little bit too much stress on the motors. What a lot of people will do with this particular drone and drones of this size is they will, um, make what are called naked GoPros where you essentially just take a GoPro like this, you strip it of all its unnecessary internal components and kind of compress it down into a smaller more lightweight form factor that still works as like a normal GoPro, uh, but it just takes up less weight. Or um, what I'm learning about this Protec 25 is you can mount a full-size GoPro on this and fly it um, without the battery in the GoPro to save some weight. So the, the GoPro, the batteries on these GoPros aren't that big anyway, but uh, it's interesting. What I learned is that they make these little five, I think they're five volts. Is that what they are? Uh, something like that, like little five volt connectors. So right here, hold it up here. So this is a little connector. Um, this is a USB-C and then this go connects to the battery of the drone. So I'll try to show you here. So basically what you would do is when you get your battery plugged in, this is going to be plugged into the drone. Uh, this portion of the battery, here's the battery here. This portion gets plugged in to this right here to power the drone. And then typically when you're flying a drone, this portion um, is left unplugged. This is what you would plug into, I'll give you a closer look here. This here is what you would plug in when you want to do your charging. So this will ensure that you're um, doing a balanced charged on your battery. Um, but apparently what you can do is you can plug this into, uh, this little, this little port here or whatever, this little connector, don't know all the technical terms. And then you can plug this in, into the GoPro. And now you're able to power your GoPro and your drone at the same time with the same battery. And you can fly around with a little bit less weight. So you would just pop this on there, plug this uh, you know, how do I want to do this? You can plug the battery into here, 
plug the cable into here. Other end of the cable goes into the GoPro. And now you can fly this tiny little drone with a full GoPro on it um, without worrying about too much weight. So that's pretty cool. I like that. It's been a little windy here in Vegas. So I am trying to, um, you know, wait it out, I guess, until there's less, uh, less, um, wind going on. Cause that thing will get beat around in the wind quite a bit. Also, another thing I wanted to show everybody, maybe this is common knowledge. This is not something that I was aware of until the other day. So, um, quick bit of context. So obviously I have go to this view here. I have a couple monitors. I have this monitor here, which you obviously see, this is my primary monitor. This is my BenQ 32 inch monitor. I've also got this monitor here, which is my previous monitor. This is a 4k, uh, 27 inch, which luckily turns vertical. And I love this setup having the one wide, uh, monitor and then the tall monitor. Um, and then occasionally I will also use this monitor here. Uh, this is where I put OBS whenever I'm live streaming, just so that I can kind of see if I'm just look at my framing, see what's being streamed out, see if I'm missing any, you know, dropping any frames or anything like that. But the problem that that creates is that as I move my mouse around through all these different screens, you know, these are big screens, higher resolution, uh, I get to the point where oftentimes I cannot see my mouse. And for a while, I was using just a colored mouse. I colored the mouse red to, so that it would hopefully stick out. But believe it or not, that didn't always work. So uh, I went into some of my mouse settings. Again, I have no idea if this is like, this is common or not. But so this, uh, we are in mouse settings right now. Oops, let me bring this back. Here we go. If we go back, uh, where was I? Hold on. Hang on. No, I was just back because I want to I make sure everyone knows that I get there. Okay, so this is like the main mouse settings here. And if you go to adjust mouse and cursor size, previously I was using this option here where it, you know, I could pick the color of the mouse. But I didn't realize that Windows had a feature where you could basically invert the mouse over any surface. So as you can kind of see, regardless where the mouse is, whatever's behind it, it's going to be, the mouse is going to be the opposite color of whatever's behind it which basically is going to create a lot of uh, contrast. Did I turn that on? Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's going to create a lot of contrast. So you can see as I mouse over things, like if I mouse over the red, you see teal popping through. So anything that's high contrast is usually a little bit easier to see. And so far, I also increased the size of it a little bit, but so far this has been so helpful as far as just being able to know where my mouse is at any given time on my screen. And that's just a little thing that I wanted to share. thought that was kind of neat. Uh, maybe that will help someone out there, especially anyone with a large, um, uh, large screen, large monitor. I will say I do like how on, I don't think there's a feature for it on windows, but I know on Mac, um, you can, there's a setting where if you kind of move the mouse quickly back and forth, it'll, uh, temporarily make the mouse very large on the screen so you know exactly where it is. Um, I wish they had that for Windows and maybe there's an app for it, but for now, this setup works pretty well for me. Okay, so those updates aside, let's get into today's main topic, which again is what do you need, what kind of gear do you need to be able to do this, to be able to 
you know, have your own podcast, but also have a video component, have an audio component and be able to live stream it. Um, you know, I think podcasting is very popular these days. A lot of people are getting into it. A lot of people want to get into it, but don't necessarily know where to start. And that's totally fine. Um, and it can, there's a, there's a barrier to entry, uh, for that. And that's really knowledge and obviously money in some cases, but you know, you gotta, you gotta know what you need to get. Um, so this is hopefully going to help some of you out there who are in that position and are looking to uh, get your own podcast studio up and running. So we're going to go through a couple of different categories. First, what is necessary for, to be able to do this? What, what year do you need, uh, 100% in order to be able to, to be doing what, what I'm doing now? Then we'll talk about some of the accessories, some of the little things like cables and stuff like that, that you would need. Um, talk briefly about the different software and websites that I use to, um, to live stream the show and then some optional things, some things that you may not necessarily need, but I have found personally to be quite helpful. So let's start off with the necessities. What do you need to get this up and running? Well, obviously number one, you're going to need cam a camera or cameras, depending on, um, you know, if you want to do a multi camera setup like this one. So, um, with, with whatever camera you end up getting, the important thing to keep in mind when buying a camera for the purposes of live streaming is that that camera has uh, a clean HDMI output. Now you may be inclined to use like a webcam, um, you know, just a, uh, one of those USB webcams you can pick up at Best Buy. I would recommend against that. In most cases, webcams do not give you a lot of flexibility as far as uh, changing settings. Um, and, you know, the video quality typically isn't as good as you might hope for. So I would consider looking into some kind of mirrorless camera or into a camcorder, assuming you have the budget for it. Now, um, the, the cameras you get need to have a clean HDMI output that will allow you to take the signal out of your camera without any overlays or anything. Basically just a clean video feed from your camera and get it into your computer. I am partial to Sony cameras. So actually all three of these cameras that I have here uh, are Sony cameras. This camera right here is the Sony a6500. This one is my newest one. It's the Sony ZV-1. And then back here I have the Sony RX100 Mark V. All, of these, all three of these cameras obviously have clean HDMI outputs. You may also want to look for something that um, you will allow you to power externally uh, so that you don't have to, if you do a longer form show, um, having some external power and not relying on just battery power is going to be super helpful. And also, depending on whether or not you plan to record into the camera while you live stream, I personally don't. I record everything into my computer. So um, basically like this camera right now is just on, it's not recording, it's recording in my computer, not within the camera. So if being able to record in the camera is also something that you want to, uh, to consider, um, you know, you need to make sure that you um, have a camera that will allow you to do that, that will allow you to record and uh, get, you know, send out a clean video feed as well. So um, Sony cameras are great. Um, there's a lot of camcorders out there that will offer, um, uh, clean HDMI outputs, but you know, wh when you start 
doing your research and start compiling your own list. Just make sure that whatever you have has meets that requirement. So if you end up getting a camera that has a, a lens on it, which this Sony a6500 does, <clears throat> you can see that there. Um, you want to really just look for a lens that's going to be able to um, accommodate the space that you are in. I am in a small space. Again, going back to this angle here, this is essentially the extent of my studio space here. This is just kind of a desk and everything is, you know, uh, put together around this desk. Um, if you have a bigger studio space, you may be able to put the camera a little bit farther back, in which case you would want a lens that can, that, that's a little bit more telephoto. But this lens right here is a 12 millimeter lens. That's a very wide lens. And that's because it's literally an arm's length away from me. Um, so because the camera is so close, I obviously need a, a lens that's going to give me a wider field of view. Uh, you also wanna think about aesthetically, you know, is a wide angle lens uh, the look that you wanna go for? Because sometimes wide angle lenses can accentuate certain features on your face, can make your nose look bigger, or you can just kind of change your appearance versus a more telephoto lens that might be a little bit farther back and be a little bit more zoomed in on you. So um, something to think about also, you know, exposure. Does the aperture get as open as you would like? This one is a T2.2 um, aperture. T is, is more common in, in cinema cameras versus f-stop. And that's that's uh, basically like, a, I think, an f2 equivalent or f2.5 equivalent or something like that. Um, but yeah, just something to think about if you're buying lenses. But if you're using a camera like this one here, which is the Sony ZV-1, I don't know if you can see it in this angle. No, uh, yeah, you can, you can. So this is a fixed lens uh, camera, or at least the, the lens is attached to the camera. It does have um, some zoom in it. You can, it's a 24 to 70 millimeter equivalent. Um, so obviously that wouldn't apply if you were getting a, a camera like this, just to keep in mind if you get one that has interchangeable lenses. Great. So, so far we got cameras, we got lenses, and now lighting. I highly recommend that if you want to do any kind of video podcast, you invest in a little bit of lighting, something that's going to allow you to control the lighting situation wherever you happen to be. You know, um, you may have regular ceiling lights that you're relying on or maybe natural light coming in through a window. The problem with that is you know, just regular household lights, typically the, the light quality and the light color isn't always flattering. You don't have control over where those lights are positioned. So you don't have control over how that light is hitting your face, which can make for some unflattering lighting results. Um, and you know, with natural lighting, for example, it's always changing. The sun is always moving in the sky. You have clouds moving over the sun. So that can mess with your exposure settings and it's just not an optimal situation. So I have, you can't really see it, you can see just the corner of it here. And I've mentioned this many of times in the past, but this is a 36 inch softbox uh, connected to a Godox SL60W video light. And as far as video lights go, this one is definitely more on the inexpensive side, but it's like 135 bucks, I believe. Um, and it's, Fantastic. Uh, it's inexpensive. The softbox itself is maybe another 65 bucks, but for under $200, you can get some nice lighting that has some nice soft fall off. You can kind of see how it creates some nice soft shadows. I would personally, personally, 
this is just me, but I would stay away from light panels that create more harsh shadows um, that can diffuse light, that, that aren't as good at diffusing light because um, you'll see that and you'll notice those harsh shadows and it's just not quite as flattering as like a big soft light source like this. So if at all possible, uh, get yourself a nice big key light like this and you will, uh, you will thank me later. So moving on, let's talk about capture cards. So if you are using a mirrorless camera or camcorder, uh, typically speaking, at least based on today's technology, most of these cameras require what's called a capture card in order to get that video signal from the camera into the computer in a way that your computer can digitize and, and recognize that symbol, that signal. So in other words, you can't just plug in a, a cable from your camera into your computer and be up and running in most cases. You will need a capture card um, or something along the lines of this. Uh, yeah, here we go. This right here. This is the ATEM mini switcher board. And this acts as a capture card, but also a live switcher. So there's one, two, three, four inputs. You can plug up to four cameras or even, you know, you could plug in an external, um, for example, I've plugged in my Mac into one of these inputs so that I have an extra screen input basically. And you can just live switch back and forth from them and it's gonna digitize that signal for you, get it into your computer, super easy. Um, but if you are just going with a single camera setup, this will probably be overkill for you because you have no need to switch, uh, switch camera angles. So in that case, if you're just a single camera setup, I would look at something like an Elgato, or no, uh, no I'm sorry, a cam, it's called the uh, the CamLink 4K capture card. And there's a few different capture cards out there. But this CamLink, do I have it here? Uh, ah, yes, here it is. This is the CamLink 4K here. Um, comes with this extra cable. But basically, you just put um, from the camera into this and then from this into your computer. And then that will uh, digitize the signal in the same way that this ATEM switcher board does it, but for one camera. Now, what I've said before is if you plan to get additional cameras in your setup, you will need a capture card for each additional camera. Um, but once you go beyond two cameras, you're better off getting something like this switcher board anyway, um, just based on price. Cause that cam link is, I think it's probably like 125 bucks, a hundred to 125 bucks per capture card. And this is what, $300 or something like that. So obviously uh, at a certain point, you're gonna be losing money if you just try to get a capture card for each new camera. So um, definitely recommend this for a multi-camera setup. Next up, let's talk about audio. Um, first off, microphones. You have a couple options when it comes to microphones. You can go with an XLR microphone like this. You could go with a USB microphone of some kind. Personally, I would recommend that you go with an XLR micro microphone which uh, would be plugged into an audio interface such as this uh, Rodecaster Pro. We'll talk about audio interfaces in a second here. But the, the reason I don't like using USB microphones, especially for live purposes, um, is because uh, you have less control. With an audio interface um, like this setup here, you know, I can easily adjust the volume of my microphone the push of a level. I even have the option in the case of this audio interface to be able to do sound effects and things like that. Um, with USB, you have to go into the sound settings on your computer 
to change it. So if you're in the middle of things and you're like, oh, I'm a little too hot or a little, you know, not hot enough or whatever it may be, you have to go into your settings and, and adjust that and uh, on the computer. So that can get a little frustrating. You don't have as much control. So if you have the budget for it, definitely look into something like this. This is the Shure SM7B. This is a, uh, this microphone's a little bit more on the expensive side. Um, it's like what, 400, 300 or $400 right now. Um, prior to this, I was using the Audio-Technica AT2035, I believe, which is about $100, $125, um, budget-friendly, sounds okay. A um, lot, lot of different options out there, but go XLR if you can. The sound quality is going to be a little bit better typically anyway, so do that. So now, now that we've got microphones out of the way, let's talk about these audio interfaces. So yes, this is the Rodecaster Pro. This is a great audio interface. This is a little bit overkill for some people. Um, the thing I like about this is that it has up to four audio inputs. So you could have up to four podcast guests and uh, you know each person would have their own microphone input. Each person, uh, you, you can have, you can plug in up to four different microphone or uh, headsets, headphones. So everyone, you know, every one of your participants could be listening. Again, you can individually adjust the levels for all those different inputs. You've got a soundboard on here. You've got some uh, built-in uh, effects and things like that, like a compressor and a noise gate. And it's you can record directly onto it. Uh, lots of different options here. I just don't like how big this is. I wish it was a little bit smaller. It takes up a lot of room on my desk. But again, you don't need something this this big or this expensive or this complex. Prior to this, I was using a small little two-channel uh, Behringer audio interface for about a hundred bucks, and it was, um, you know, it 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 was fine. There were no bells and whistles, um, but it got the job done, and it worked as expected and and as needed. Uh, really, I just have gear acquisition or gear acquisition syndrome, aka gas, and uh, this was essentially made for podcasters, and I thought I had to have it. I'm glad I got it. May not be for you, but whatever. But this, it, again, if you want to get an XLR microphone, you are going to need some kind of audio interface, which you would plug the microphone into, and then the audio interface would then be plugged into your computer. All right, audio interfaces. Next up, headphones. Headphones, you obviously need a good pair of headphones. I, you know, some people may prefer to do this without wearing headphones because they can get kind of hot and just sort of in the way. But especially if you're producing your own show, you need to be able to preview the audio. Case in point, the beginning of this show, when I couldn't hear my intro audio, um, I had to, uh, you know, I, I, it was because I was wearing headphones that I was able to uncover that. So headphones are always good, especially on the production side. Definitely have some headphones. But again, it's also good to have them if you are a hosting or a guest. Uh, you're also going to need a computer, clearly. So that, you know, the computer uh, will be responsible for kind of handling all the processing of everything and, you know, helping with the live streaming. Um, you want to make sure that you get a computer that's got a decent processor and a decent uh, graphics card, especially with OBS. Now, with my setup, I am live streaming and recording um, at the same time on my computer. And I have my streaming software, which we will talk about as well. I have that set up to uh, use the graphics card 
uh, for one, for, I can't, I don't remember which I assigned to which, but just for the sake of this, we'll say the graphics card was assigned to streaming and my CPU was uh, assigned to recording. So that way you can kind of split up the load. Obviously streaming and recording combined takes up a lot of processing power on your computer, but if you can separate those between your CPU and your graphics card, then it makes it a little bit easier for a computer to handle and you're gonna have less lag. So um, what exactly, which, which you know, processor do you need and which graphics card do you need? Well, I don't really know, if I'm being honest. I'm not a, while I know a decent enough amount about computers, I'm, I don't know a ton of benchmarks and I couldn't tell you, you know, what the bare minimum is that you would need in order to be able to do this. But what I will say is I have the Ryzen 7 3700X CPU. I have a GTX 1080, um, 1080T graphics card. Or is it just 1080? I don't know. But that's what I have. Um, and I also have a, a one terabyte internal SSD, which is helpful for just, you know, um, fast file transfer. And this, this, this setup works great for me. So, um consider that. And then finally on the necessary list is fast internet. Now, Facebook or sorry, YouTube requires a, an upload speed of about 60 megabits per second in order to be able to stream, uh, HD or 1080p, um, video without any lag. I personally have, I'm, I'm lucky I was in a, a, a fairly new neighborhood that was wired for uh, fiber. So I have CenturyLink fiber and even without a direct line. So our, our main internet line is upstairs in the master bedroom on the other side of the house. But I've got a few of those Eero router units around the house and I put one up here. So there's a wireless, this is receiving a wireless signal from the main router up in the master bedroom. And then I have a hard line from this into the computer. So it's a little bit faster. And even with that, I'm getting, uh, I did a speed test before the show and it was over 300 megabits per second upload speeds. And the upload speeds are what you want. So if you're like, okay, I need to upgrade my internet because I, I want to start doing this. One thing that's very important is because a lot of times, you know, when you're surfing the internet and what internet service providers understand is that for most people, your download speed is what's important because as you're browsing the internet, you're downloading data to your phone. Um, but when you're live streaming and doing stuff like this, you are sending data from here to the internet. So what's important for this purpose is upload speeds. So a lot of times ISPs won't, won't advertise their download speeds. They'll only advertise their upload speeds, which, you know, has, um, you know, could, could get you into some trouble if you thought you were getting this super fast internet connection when in fact you were getting like, you know, a hundred megabits download, but maybe only 20, 20 megabits upload and 20 megabits of upload speed is not going to be enough to support a high D or an HD live stream. So just something to look out for when you're getting internet. Okay. That concludes the necessary portion of the podcast studio gear list. Let's move on to some accessories. Accessories meaning things like cables and tripods, light stands, that kind of stuff. So let's start with cables. Um, in order to get your video signal to your computer, you do need to connect the two or, well, camera to capture card to computer. Uh, and to do that, you will need an HDMI card in, or HDMI cable in most cases. 
The type of HDMI cable that you need will depend on the computer that you have. For instance, all three of these cameras here use a micro HDMI to HDMI cable. Some cameras might have a full HDMI, uh, full size HDMI port on them, in which case you can just use a regular old HDMI cable. It all depends. So be sure to take a look at the uh, manual or just look at the camera and make sure that you have the right cable for, um, for your camera. And also you will need some power cables. Uh, and, you know, I would recommend if you plan to do live streaming, I wouldn't rely on a camera battery. You know, sometimes you forget to charge it and it can run down while you're live streaming, whatever it may be. Um, in the case of Sony, you can plug in a micro USB in the side and it can power it in externally. Also, a lot of cameras or, you know, you can you can find third party what they're called dummy batteries for cameras where it basically just replaces your camera's usual battery and it's attached to a plug that you can just plug into an outlet and that can power your camera continuously. So having power and making sure that your cameras can be up and running for the duration of your podcast or your show, you know, your live stream, whatever it may be, um, you need to make sure that you can power those cameras for that amount of time. So look into that. So power cables or dummy batteries with a plug cable. And finally, obviously you need, um, if you're going to be using an XLR microphone doesn't apply for USB microphones. I assume, you know, if you buy a USB microphone, it's going to typically come with the cable. If you buy an XLR microphone, uh, most of the time you will not get an XLR cable with it. So just make sure if you do get a microphone like this, you're also purchasing the, um, the correct XLR cable, which would connect to your audio interface. Uh, next up outside of cables, tripod, you know, if you, uh, for your cameras and things like that, I personally don't use a tripod. I actually use what are called friction arms and you can kind of see it here. So basically this connects to the side of my desk and it's this really cool. It's by Manfrotto. They're not cheap. These are like 130 bucks, but they're really well made. And uh, it's got this little knob here where when you tighten it, it basically just keeps it nice and, and exactly where you want it. In fact, this uh, video light is also connected to a friction arm, the same exact friction arm as this one here. And it keeps the light perfectly where I need it, even, you know, even with the light being on the heavier side. So depending on your setup, you know, a tripod might work for you or a friction arm. It all depends. It comes down to personal preference. Um, clamps are also great. Uh, if we go to this angle here, yeah, you can't really see it, but connected to this camera, cause I have two shelves which you can, oops, there we go. You can see one of the shelves here. And I just have this little small rig clamp that I've connected to the shelf and then uh, connected that to the camera. And it's just like a, it's a super easy way to mount some of these smaller cameras. They may not work for some of the bigger stuff, but they're great for these small cameras. Um, What else? Mic stand. Uh, in this case, I use a boom stand, as you can see here. But uh, that's not appropriate for your situation. You can get very cheap uh, mic stand that just sits on top of a, of a counter or a desk or whatever it may be. But something, unless you want to just hold the mic, which I wouldn't typically recommend because then you start to introduce a lot of movement noise and like, you know, your hand uh, touching the microphone, it can be a little bit distracting. Um, but that's, I mean, it's an option if that's what you want to do. Uh, light stands. Again, if for your video light, if a friction arm is not a, a good possibility for mounting your video lights, you might want to get a light stand of some kind. Uh, Neewer, which is kind of like a discount camera gear 
company. That's N-E-E-W-E-R. They make some decent life stands for an affordable price under 50 bucks. You could always get something like that. You don't need to get a super expensive C stand for, for a light stand. Uh, just get something uh, good and cheap, but uh, something sturdy enough, metal, something that will, will hold up your light for you. I would also get some zip ties. Um, you, again, probably won't be able to see it, but you know, when you have all of this equipment, uh, you end up having a lot of cables. So some zip ties just to kind of keep your cables at least in check a little bit, you know, for your cable management is, uh, is a must. Uh, I'd probably drive myself crazy if I just had a bunch of extra cables running around. And finally, um, SD cards and batteries. Again, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, if you do want to record into your computers, you want to make sure that you have some storage to record onto, and that would typically be uh, SD cards um, and batteries if that's the route you want to go as well, if you don't want to do any kind of external power. Um, but just some things to think about. This, again, I don't record internally, and in fact, if I wanted to, I could do the whole thing with no uh, SD card um, in this camera, and it would be fine but it's going to depend on your camera. Some cameras are going to require that you have an SD card in them in order to the, to operate them in any way. Um, some won't. So it, again, just kind of depends. Um, moving on, let's talk about the software and the different websites that I use to live stream. So uh, I would recommend, uh, especially if you're on a budget, I would use OBS. OBS is kind of, it stands for Open Broadcaster Software. OBS is kind of the um, gold standard as far as... Um, you know, just free broadcast um, software. It's an open source program and I use it for all of my shows. I use it to uh, handle my live streaming and I use it to record the podcast as well directly into the computer. Uh, I do have a video on my main channel. Um, if you just search my name, Ryan Hafey, you'll find it. Search up Ryan Hafey podcast gear and you should find, or no, podcast software, Ryan Hafey podcast software. And maybe I'll, if I'm feeling up to it, I'll go back and add a, add a link to it in the, uh, in the description. Um, but that video, I go in depth into the different settings that you will need, um, to set up in OBS in order to be up and running. Uh, also another website that I use, uh, is restream. That's R E S T R E A M dot I O. And Restream basically takes your live stream and instead of just sending it to one place, it will redistribute it to multiple platforms. Uh, so you can, uh, for example, I stream to YouTube, I stream to Facebook, Twitch, and Periscope, aka Twitter. Uh, and there's other platforms that you can do. There's a paid version of Restream. I don't use a paid version. I use a free version. The paid version essentially gives you access to additional channels. For example, I, I stream to Facebook, but I'm streaming on my personal page. I don't stream onto a uh, like a fan page or a, you know a business page or anything like that. But uh, I find that it's awesome. It also makes it super easy because they give you the coordinates for the stream. You just pop them into OBS, and as soon as you hit start streaming in in uh, OBS, it sends it out everywhere you've set it up for, and you're good to go. Uh, and that's kind of it for as far as the, the software goes. You don't really need a ton. Um, Restream also, by the way, offers a Restream chat app that, you know, when you stream to these multiple locations, it tries to pull in any comments that you might get from those different channels and puts it all into this one chat area. So you can kind of combine them all, which is handy. So that would be one you might want to look into. And uh, that's it for software and websites. 
Last category, these are optional things that you don't, you, you may not necessarily need, but they're handy to have. The first is field monitors or just any kind of monitor. So you can see I've actually got two monitors on this camera here. Um, these can the cameras that I have, the, this, these two back here have flip out screens, uh, which is super handy for just kind of seeing your framing, but this camera does not. So I decided to get this uh, field monitor, which I mounted underneath it. So the camera actually goes from the camera to the field monitor and then from the field monitor to the Ada mini switcher board and then from the Ada mini switcher board into the computer. One thing to remember, if that's a setup you, you want to do, these field monitors oftentimes, like this one's actually really cheap, um, but oftentimes these field monitors will not come with an input and an output. Oftentimes they'll just come with an input because, you know, the typical use case is just people will mount them on their cameras and use them as a monitor, uh, a more high resolution monitor for when they're, when they're filming. But in my case, I'm using it as a reference monitor, but also need it to have an output. So um, that's why I have this one here. And then this, this monitor up on top is actually a third computer monitor. So this is plugged directly into my computer. And as I think I mentioned previously, uh, I put OBS in here so that I can quickly reference OBS if I need to. Uh, but so yeah, field monitors, if you have a camera that doesn't have a flip out screen can be super helpful. Uh, next up, Elgato Stream Deck. That is this little guy here. Um, kind of hard to see from that perspective. There, it's a little bit better. So basically this is just a little customizable board that has, in my case, it's got 15 buttons on it. They do make a uh, bigger size as well. And it integrates very well with OBS. Um, you can, you know, like when I play my intro, it's with a press of a button. And basically how that works is I load media into OBS and then I assign that media on this stream deck in the, in the program that's provided. And then I can just press buttons or I can turn screen share on and off and I can put myself in the corner if I want to. Really the, um, the options are endless there. So very handy. Uh, I think it's about $100 or $80, somewhere in that range. And by the way, uh, links to most of what I will be talking about, at least as far as the stuff that I use, all those links are available in the description below. So if you want to explore any of the specific gear that I use for my studio, feel free to check it out. So that was the Elgato Stream Deck. Next up, uh, always good to have some kind of storage for your recording. So again, if you're doing what I'm doing where you're recording the show uh, internally into your computer, you either want to A, have a, have a fast SSD drive installed in your computer that has a, a fast file transfer rate or get yourself something like this, which is um, an SSD. This is an external SSD drive. They come in a few different forms. This one is SanDisk. I have a few of these. Uh, this is a one terabyte drive and these are great. They're not, they're, they're a little bit more expensive than your traditional hard drives, uh, your, your physical hard drives, but the file transfer speed on these is way faster. So you know, for example, anytime I do any video work, I'm editing off an external uh, SSD drive like the one I just showed you, and it works works great. So if you want to record, if you don't have the storage or if you don't have a fast drive in your computer internally, look into getting an external SSD and plug it into a fast USB 
port on your computer and record into that. Next up, uh, going back to lighting, I would, you know, if you, if you want to kind of spruce up your studio appearance, I would look into some accent lighting or some hair lighting. Uh, obviously, this light up here is my primary key light, but I've also, as you can see, I've got these uh, lights that run here, and then I've got this accent light behind me. Really, these are just to kind of provide some visual interest, a little bit of contrast. You know, we got the 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 teal and orange, you know, this contrasts nicely with my skin, I guess. And then off camera over here, I actually have another um, light panel that is just providing a little bit of hair light. And in fact, I can show you what a difference that makes. So, hey, oh, what did I call that one? Hey, Google, turn off hair light. There we go. So you can see how now I'm a little bit darker. We'll turn it back on. You can see the difference. Hey, Google, turn on hair light. So there you go. Uh, so those can just add a little bit, they can add a little bit of splash of light and uh, make you stick out a little bit better uh, on on your show. Uh, this was not on the optional list, by the way. If for anyone curious as to how I just did that and turn it on and off with my voice, I have a Google Home device in uh, in my office up here, and I have a few of these. They're called Gosund J or G O S U N D um, power strips. They're smart power strips, and basically each outlet on them you can assign to a certain command or name it a certain way. So I have a bunch of different things plugged into them and then uh, I can control them all by voice just by talking to the Google, Google home. So it's pretty interesting. And the last thing that I will mention as an optional accessory, this is not something that I have set up currently, uh, but I've thought about it and actually saw it from Levi Allen. If you're familiar, he's a uh, YouTuber and filmmaker, but that would be to have a teleprompter that would sit in front of your lens while you're doing your live stream. This is actually a, a teleprompter that slips on the end of a lens on your camera. Now this one doesn't work with this lens, reason being because this lens is so wide, anytime I try to put this on there, it catches the corner of the teleprompter. But there are bigger teleprompters that you can get that aren't super expensive. And you know, if you don't wanna to have to be looking somewhere else to, you know, like I have my notes on this monitor right here, but if I had a teleprompter, I could potentially set that up and then I could be looking directly into the camera while I read on my notes and it'll look as if I'm talking to you directly versus, you know, having to look off, continually look off camera. So um, if you are using a more telephoto um, lens, that's a little bit more zoomed in, something like this might work. And then this actually works by, you just pull this little tab off here, you put your phone in the bottom of it, of it here, whatever's on your phone screen reflects off this pane of glass, and then you can see what your, uh, you know, what's on your phone screen as you record into your camera. Kind of cool. But that's it. So let's go back and just very quickly list everything off one by one. So, um, you know, just kind of the recap here. So necessary items, camera or cameras camera lens if you have a camera with a, a, a interchangeable lenses some kind of lighting you want a capture card or switcher board you want a microphone preferably an XLR micro uh, XLR microphone but USB microphones will work as well if needed or if it you know if it doesn't fit in your budget excuse me uh, an audio interface of some kind doesn't have to be a Rodecaster Pro but you would want that if you are using an XLR microphone Headphones, obviously. I didn't really talk about which kind of headphones you need. Um, anything that's over the ear is great. These are, what are these? Audio-Technica 
M50s. Oh my gosh, I just <laughs> I just noticed that there's a big old glob of there it is of spit from my dog. That's gross. Anyway, yeah, these work great. Um, look up some reviews. Just any headphones in the, for the most part will do. You also want some headphones that uh, can contain the sound decently well, and they're not emitting a bunch of sound out out of them because that that additional audio can be recirculated into your recording and it can sound bad. But anyway, headphones, uh, a decent computer with some decent specs, fast internet and power strips, power strips. I didn't mention earlier, but yeah, with all these different accessories, you're going to need places to plug them in. You're not going to have enough outlets in your wall, get some good quality power strips to use. Next up accessories. <clears throat> You want to get some cables, that'd be some HDMI cables for your cameras or whatever kind of cable is required to get that video signal out of your camera. Um, any power cables or dummy battery cables uh, that you might want to use if you want to use external power for your cameras and XLR cables for your microphone. Tripods, friction arms or clamps and or clamps, uh, mic stands, light stands, zip ties and SD cards and batteries. And that's the end of the accessories list. Software, look into OBS uh, as, as far as, you know, OBS, the program, and then restream.io, the website. Uh, and then optional accessories, you have monitors like field monitors, Elgato Stream Deck, some external storage if your computer does not offer fast uh, or ample internal storage, accent or hair lighting to kind of spruce up and make your studio pop a little bit better and a teleprompter if you want to be looking into camera while you read off your notes. And that is the ultimate list of gear that you need to have your own live stream capable video podcast studio. And hey, I hope that you got some value out of today's show. If you did, it would be great if you would hit that subscribe button wherever you happen to be watching or listening. And also follow me on social media at Ryan Navy on Instagram and Twitter. And shoot me a note after the show. Ask me a question or just say hello. That rhymed, and I'm going to start using that more often because it rolls right off the tongue. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and call this one done. Thank you so much for being here. Keep on creating, making, and doing, and we will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.